Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. There's a million and one things about Noah and the whole, there's lots of books and, and um, publications, videos, anything imaginable you could think of regarding this story, the various issues of flood and what happened, what took place and, and how historically things and the archaeology and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going into any of that stuff. Um, it's a relatively uh, simple topic uh, because it's, it's, in my opinion, poignant, meaning valuable for today. So Noah's a unique character. Obviously, we know that. Uh, in that, number one, when he was born, his father had pointed out that Lamech, his father, uh, had said that this one will finally take away the curse of the of the land, the ground, and that's exactly what he did. So it, it, through Noah's actions and the project took place, the actual ground stopped being cursed. So today, for example, we have we can grow crops relatively easily. Um, we we have water ability. The seeds sprout. Things things grow relatively simply. They're rather quickly, and they don't take much effort to grow in comparison. So at the end of Noah's flood, uh, that essentially started to take place. So we were able to grow crops again, and the people had suffered and struggled up to that point. We have record of that, of course. So I actually explicitly states so. Uh, and obviously, that, that uh, at the end of the flood in uh, chapter nine, I think it is discusses that the, the ground stopped being cursed. So now we're able to grow things. So f- Noah's, Noah was selected or notified, or that's the right, wrong word. Um, he was uh, unique, at least to his father, to say something is unique about this particular person, that this is the event, this is the scenario, the, the individual that will take away the, this curse that we got from Adam uh, with Adam and Eve. So the time period that lapsed between Adam and Noah's flood, the ground was cursed and things couldn't grow well. I'm not saying couldn't grow at all, just they couldn't grow well. It was very difficult. So I have some questions that always are brought up every year regarding this, this Torah portion. It doesn't matter what, what synagogue you belong to or what, what congregation you, you, you attend. These are pretty common. Everybody always asks the same questions because it's always a repetitive concern. Say, okay, Noah... <clears throat> The earth was difficult or struggling, was, was, was full of violence during his day. Of course, that's when God said, I'm going to destroy it, naturally. We, we, we got that part. And we always ask ourselves, all right, well, what, what level or what degree of violence is such that God said, that's too much, I'm going to wipe it out? And we compare that to a modern day. Where, where is this threshold? Then, granted, obviously, no one's alive today to know, from today, that is, from then, to tell us all right, it was this level versus that level. We don't know. But there are a few minor uh, hints, I guess we can say, that were given in, in Noah's time, in Noah's story, about some level of violence, some level of, of distortion that we can comprehend a little bit. We have some of our New Testament authors, particularly Peter and I think Timothy, I think Timothy mostly, which is through Paul, obviously, um, describes more detailed as far as what kind of things that they're, that, that this apostle Paul perceived or thought the people were, were like during Noah's time. And so, but before we go there, uh, this, so 
in chapter six in verse eleven, it obviously starts. That's a yeah. Starts out a few verses into, in, in, into the verse. It says that the the uh, the the, the vishach, vishachra, which is the, the 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 corruption or the twistedness of the earth. The earth became twisted. People became twisted. So we have a word we, most as corrupted or 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 um, uh, damaged, not good anymore. That type of thing. The Hebrew word it says died to be become twisted as in distorted, as in cruel or weird, evil. This is a very that's a good word for it. And so we use that, and it's used repeated multiple times in the first few verses there of you know twelve, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four, thir- those first three, eleven, twelve, thirteen discusses this this nature of this twistedness, and what is surprising to those of us who look into this type of stuff. Is that God is he, he he uses the word that that same word um, uh, uh, Tom, which is which which we use we translate as destroy the earth. It's the same word is that is that God's going to say okay you mankind which your responsibility was to take care of the earth you're the caretakers you have become a twisted thing and God's response is I'm going to take the earth and become it make it. Twisted. We destroy, but it is it to twist and it is distort, to 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 ruin, to to min, to, to uh, manhandle it or to, to mangle it up to it's not what it once was, or what it's supposed to be. So this idea, okay, God, since we became as mankind this twisted thing that was not originally intended, that was not the, not the goal, not the objective, of course, we became that. And so God's response is, I'm going to respond in kind. You became twisted, and you have twisted your creation that you were responsible for. Therefore, God is saying, "I'm going to become or be or treat you twisted as well, the same way." It's kind of a strange thing to think, "Well, God, God's full of love and kind and compassion." That's absolutely true, because mind you, His patience is overwhelming. He waited what sixteen, seventeen hundred years before He finally said, "Enough's enough." You're twisted too much. It's not fixing. I'm going to fix this and twist it myself. I'm going to respond to your twistedness in this like manner. That is extreme patience. Obviously, we don't live that long. But the point is that his amount of patience he had, because mind you, violence existed from, at least we know from Cain and Abel, right? It's been oh, going on. We have the story of Lemech with the killing two guys because they got injured. All these different stories happened along their way. Well, all this death and mayhem, this violence been taking place. Have been going on off and on for various peoples, I'm sure, over sixteen to seventeen hundred years. It's a long time, getting worse and worse. And so we ask ourselves, I ask myself this question, maybe not everybody does, but I do, is all right, violence, which is a play on word, by the way, uh, in modern English, sorry, modern modern Semitic languages, because Hamas is the word for violence in Hebrew. Hamas is also the name of the terrorist organization that runs the Gaza Strip. Uh, they are slightly different spellings, but it's a play on word. And that Hebrew means violence, and Arabic means bravery or strength. Uh, it's two different, two different concepts, but they actually are not too varying from each other. So the idea is: so Hamas, the the world is, is full of Hamas, full of violence. We have the, the, the uh, uh, robbery is some some English translation say robbery. The idea is violence or destruction. And so I talked. I talked straight. I read and listened to many different commentators over many years, actually now uh, discussing this topic of violence and how extensive it has to be. For God would say that this is enough. I'm going to go. You are, you are too twisted to to repair. You're beyond 
uh, reconciliation beyond the point which we can say, let's teach you out of this. It's you, you, are, you are too far gone. And most of them argue pretty similarly as far as their arguments discussing this, this, this sense of violence is that we as human beings understand violence is supposed to be a tool. You, you have a scenario with like, for example, let's say a person A hurts or murders person B. Well, we as a society have to take a trial. Okay, the correct response is a tool of violence to eliminate person A. It's an executable offense. It's a measured thing you use as opposed to violence becoming the actual goal. The end goal, the objective is to be violent. Um, that is a different concept of, of violence. Instead of it being a tool to be used, it is the end goal. It is our, it is our, it is our target. Um, and much like we have the idea of, of, of glorifying a warrior, for example, uh, we have actually historic examples of like you know, the Roman Colosseums, for example, right? Same principle. They glorified the violent behavior. That was the glory of violence. The end goal was to be how violent can you be and survive this? Wow, you're the most violent. You're best. You're the greatest. Well, that isn't glorifying anything good. That's glorifying violence itself. The goal was to be violent. Well, that's if that is your goal, that is the end that's the objective, violence is no longer a tool anymore to correct bad behavior. It's actually the cultural goal. So when, when, when the Bible says earth is filled with violence or filled with Hamas, and I, I had these modern images of obviously the last few weeks with the Gaza Strip and Israel and all the stuff going on there, I'm going to, to be fair, I, I take in very, very little of that um, because it's, it's, it's mind disturbing. But anyway, so there's this thing going on. Well, if the goal is that type of imagery, and that's what the earth is, I'm not saying they had bombs. The point is the nature of murder and killing. That, that was the objective. That's a type of character that the earth was filled with. Imagine yourself as Noah. Try being Noah in Gaza City right now, right? Try being Noah when you're in the outskirts and Hamas militants are coming through and mur- murdering people and killing just because they can. Well, that's a very difficult character to be as that person. What, I'm going to do what is right and righteous, even though I'm surrounded by what is completely consuming and, and your sense of, as one rabbi said, purple rage. I think I like his word, purple rage. <laughs> the idea of, I want you revenge back, attack back, violence back. That's nothing wrong with it. Violence is a tool, not don't do it wrong. But it's, it's the human instinct to say, I want to re- have revenge back upon this evil that I perceive. Well, the drawback with that as we as human beings and try to understand that there is a concept of love that God has, even those people who are murderers, God doesn't joy, doesn't have joy in the death of the wicked, right? That's not his, not his goal. Those murderers who are the, who are the killers or the, the vengeful, and, and I'm not saying any one side is good or bad. The point is that the nature of that, of that emotion, that, that response, God being a loving type of God, we ask ourselves, okay, Noah and God, since you're dealing with Noah, uh, you have this scenario world which is surrounded by this end goal of violent behavior. That that is the that is the target. That is the the high the high pedestal is to be as violent as possible to other human beings. Of course, um, how do you, as an individual who is inside this environment, prevent that from messing up your mind and your soul? Because most people who are experienced, for example, people who are 
we call it desensitized, right? We have videos or movies that glorify killing, murder, whatever. It desensitizes us as human beings. And the more often we're exposed to it, the more desensitized we become to those types of things. So if I'm a person and I'm in Noah's shoes, okay, I want to teach my children, raise them what is good and right, and this is what their experience is around them. That's a very difficult task. It's a hard, not impossible, but a very difficult task. Now, let's put yourself in not Noah's shoes, but Noah's you know, childhood friend. We don't know his name, doesn't make a difference. Who That person may not be a partaker or participant, I should say, in the violent behavior, but they're complicit. It surrounds them and they're complicit. This is normal. It's okay. I'm not physically doing it. I'm not doing it myself, but it's just normal behavior. That person's still also desensitized. They're still messed up. And so we have these, these men, Noah, obviously his sons. I'm not sure their exact ages. It's whatever takes place. It's kind of fuzzy on the exact ages for all three of them. We have Shem's age with the others, but they're growing up in this, in this environment. And of course, Noah grew up in this environment. Um, and we have obviously only, I don't know about their wives. We know nothing about them as far as, but I don't even have their names either. We don't think about their, about their wives. But they're all growing up in this environment. And this is the type of culture they're surrounded with, this full of violence, this full of the goal being to kill, murder, mayhem, whatever. And but mind you, this is, this is more of a, of, a, of a disturbing topic because of just what I'm, what I, all the stuff going on in Israel and, and the Gaza Strip today. But the idea that, if you, as a person, Noah, and you know that, hey, my task in life, humanity's goal, humanity's objective, humanity's assigned task, was to take care of God's creation. You have the animals, you have other people, you have plants, you have cities, whatever. Take care of what God wants cities. God didn't make cities, people did, but the stuff God made. To take care of these things, and all you see around you is the destruction of that. I argue, my Daniel H's opinion, even though Noah may be righteous in generations, it can still mess with you. It can still mess with Noah. It can still mess with his sons. They themselves may not be partakers of it, but it can still screw up your mind and your soul, your psyche. You can't, yeah, you can't, exactly, you can't unring a bell. You can't unsee what you saw. You can't unexpose yourself to what you just saw happen or heard happen. Those mess you up, and so when First Peter, First Peter, Peter writes in First Peter, <laughs> um, Peter in, in chapter three discusses that set into this. Well, we actually we should go there real quick. Uh, my Bible here. He discusses this topic because I, Peter understands that, which we obviously understand this too. But the the idea of of the nature of violence and what was taking place is not something that could be fixed or undone. Per se, it already happened. So, First Peter chapter three. Let's do this topic. It jumps to uh, we'll go down to verse uh, eighteen. And this what discusses this example of what of what Noah, as actually Lot, kind of suffers too in his own way too, similar to for Solomon and Gomorrah. But so, First uh, Peter uh, chapter three, verse eighteen. It says, "For Christ suffered once for all sins, uh, for the just as well as well as the unjust." They might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, made alive in the spirit, by whom also he went and preached the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God 
waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight, souls were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, meaning baptism. It is not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but rather the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus the Christ, who has gone to heaven and is at the right hand of God, angel authorities and powers having been subject to him. So, Peter's pointing out here that though God was obviously long-suffering, which we already understand that part, all 17-ish, 100 years, give or take, give or take 100, a long time waiting, as well as obviously during the, the ark being made, a long time waiting. Um, but the purpose of baptism is Peter's comparing to Noah and Noah's flood. Baptism was not, it does not get rid of our human behavior, right? We're, we're just still, we're still corrupt in many ways. We still, we don't, does it miraculously say, oh, now I can't sin anymore. Yeah, that'd be great. It doesn't work that way. We can still switch to sin. Well, much like how baptism does not erase your ability to sin, it just cleans up your, your, your conscience, which is your mind and your soul. So the idea of your mind, your soul is your conscience. And that's at least, sorry, Hebrew philosophy does not, we're not talking Greek, you know, you know, psychiatrists. Mind and soul is a combined to conscience of a person. So, in, if, if that, Peter's point, that's, that's the objective of baptism is to, to get rid of your mind and your soul, your conscience. Well, then the same argument would say, well, okay, Noah, the flood, since baptism is comparable to the flood, that means Noah's event that took place is that because he's exposed and his sons are exposed, all people are exposed, this never ending violent behavior that messes with you the unring a bell effect you can't do. But the idea of the, the flood was to not to officially get rid of the ability to do violence because it doesn't go away. That we can still be violent, but to wash away the conscience of what you saw. Let's start over again. Let's refresh. Let's reclean and start again. That's the concept behind it. <laughs> like moving to a new place or changing one's name or whatever. The point is, you're, is I'm, I, I cannot undo my ability to be bad, but my ability and the exposure, what I've exposed to, what I've done, what I've seen, what has happened to me, what's, what, what I've observed for other people, all the stories, I can't undo that. But in some capacity, by Washing away your past, so to speak, wash away Noah's flood. The fl- sorry, Noah's flood. Wash away the earth in Noah's flood, or wash of baptism. Same principle. I'm going to set aside the past. Okay, I'm starting over again. We get this concept. It makes sense. Nothing shocking about this, um, because in this storyline we have, as we obviously have read our Torah multiple times, we had the experience that after the flood, well, guess what? Bad things still happen. Murderers still take place. Our Torah has large passages, large chapters dedicated to violence and sexual activities, immoralities. We have, you know, the venge- the, the 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 murder, accidental murder, purposeful murderers. All of those things still take place. They don't they don't miraculously disappear. People can't can't commit crime anymore. It doesn't work that way. Now we understand that also in this in this Torah portion, then God points out after the flood, say, hey. Now, at least at this point forward, we don't know if it happened before or not, but at least God is authorizing or at least directing that when a violent behavior such as sin takes place, a murderer takes place, you as human beings are supposed to respond tool-wise violence against that individual. So somebody has does something violent to the person, we have to respond with a tool 
of violence against that person. It's the individual who caused the, 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 the harm. The actual destruction of all peoples or large peoples or large peoples, that is not within our human prerogative. That is God's prerogative. He's the one who dictates the whole flood took place, right? Man didn't do it. He's what dictates, hey, you're going to wipe out Amalek, right? Man doesn't decide that. God decides that. Only he can make decisions in that capacity. We only address what somebody does or what they don't do. We cannot address what they theoretically would be in a future or a, a spiritual state that only God can comprehend. So there are certain things that are still in God's realm as far as violence being applied in large swaths. But as individuals, is a responsibility. So we're given this task, saying, okay, I have been, Noah's case, Noah's sons, go back to their sons again. They've been exposed to extreme violent behavior within inside the earth, uh, the people. And the, the purpose of the, of the people is to take care of the earth. Of course, they don't doing so. So you can't unring that bell. You can't undo it. But God's saying, all right, let's twist. Since people themselves are twisted, we're going to twist back, so to speak. So God's going to twist the earth back and undo this, this, this crazy distortion that's taking place. So now we have Noah and his sons on the other side of this, the other side of the behavior. Now the flood took place, things washed away. Now they have this new earth to repopulate, or I say repopulate, it's, 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 it's word populate. You could argue whether it's repopulate or not, doesn't matter. To populate the earth, to start over again. And now at this point forward, at least, when violence takes place, it is our responsibility as God-like creations to respond in a God-like manner, which is a tool of violence, not an end goal of violence, right? So, and we come across as time goes on, we know our history well enough to realize that some cultures, some societies wound up not using violence as a tool rather use it as an end goal. The Roman culture is the most common we're familiar with. We have a Parthian culture has similar capacities in certain areas at times of their history. We have different historically events from cultures who actually the goal was to be the most violent person you could, and that was glorified. So did violence go away? Did the glory of violence go away? Never went away. It's still there. What is our responsibility as people who are exposed to such things? Well, we have to respond in a tool-like fashion of this individual is violent, we must respond in a measured violence to stop the violence. So violence is not the goal, it's not an objective, but it's still a tool. And it's an appropriate tool at times, as long as used with wisdom. I tell my son this all the time. There's a reason why 16-year-olds don't run the world. <laughs> Much to his chagrin, 16-year-olds do not run the world because <laughs> he's killing everybody off. <laughs> all the bad people just kill them off. Doesn't work that way. That's responding violence without as a without wisdom. That's not a tool application. That's a just mass killing application. We don't do that. Um, so violence can only is actually it can be. It's supposed to be used as a tool to stop other violent behavior. So the violence doesn't become as it was in the days of Noah, take over the whole earth. So we go to First Timothy, verse three, or sorry, verse three, chapter three, and discuss. The concepts that Apostle Paul was trying to relay this, I, sorry, First Timothy, I apologize, Second Timothy, not First Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter three, um, that Paul was trying to explain as far as the type of, of behaviors that are abhorrent and struggling. If the whole earth 
is filled with these things, imagine what life would have been like. So for first second Timothy, he said first, second Timothy chapter three, we'll go through the first uh, uh, few verses here. Okay, so is, uh, where is it? Uh, there it is. Chapter three, verse one. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now, pause. So, these descriptions are, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest, this is Daniel speaking. These actually don't sound that bad. We see it all the time. These are like, oh, these are neighbor behavior. It happens, our, our culture, society, these are pretty common. The sad part is, I can say that. That means these behaviors that he just lists, which are, which are the grand scheme of things, don't seem that strong, don't seem that, that severe. These behaviors are so common that that's the culture that I live in, that we live in today. Well, imagine that these are supposed to be bad behaviors and abhorrent behaviors, yet they're so common we think, oh, nothing of them, because they're so common. Well, again, that's the same thing with Noah, with the, the behaviors around in his lifetime, the violent behaviors. Well, they're so common, it's like nothing. Become, we, become, we are desensitized, these behaviors, just like Noah would have been desensitized and his contemporaries to sensitize the behaviors of violence back in their day. These are supposed to be bad things, and they are bad, but they're not like extreme. And we have far more extreme behaviors than what's listed here. D1 in verse uh, 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as James and Jambres resisted Moses, so do the Tajanes, and so do these resist truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. These are relatively minor things. But yet Apostle Paul points out these are terrible things. You stay away from them. Avoid them. These are awful. They'll, they'll be obvious of how awful human beings they are. Okay, Paul, that's, that's true. So why is it that I, Daniel A.G., modern day life, look at those things like, yeah, they're so common that it doesn't mean anything. Okay, same apply. No, Noah, uh, yeah, this violence and behavior that's this, the goal is to kill. It's so common, it doesn't mean anything. That's pretty bad, actually. It, it gives me to understand, at least me personally, this is my opinion, understand the nature of the desensitization that Noah has or would have had, I should say, I, I didn't know, that. I wasn't there at the time, but could have had, I should say, um, to the violence behind, around him compared to the immoral behavior that we see and growing in our modern society today. The immoral behavior is so common, we don't think much about it. Don't anything. That was all the time. Well, the immoral behavior is what we're supposed to avoid, stay away from, because it's obviously a, deca- a, a contamination thing. You can't unring a bell. We have stories, obviously, in our Torah, when it comes to the biggest, for example, all the sexual behaviors that took place. The, he slept with her and him and him and her all at the same time. <laughs> terrible things. And with the it's, the few animals involved. Uh, terrible, disgusting things. Like That is really, really grotesque. And yet, it happens. Yeah, even now it happens. Like, yeah, oh, ew, gross. Ew, I'll say with this person. Okay. But that's common enough. It's like, oh, that person is just gross. And we just, that's how it is. 
but we still interact with them. Don't avoid them. The behaviors are so common, we ourselves are desensitized to various immoral behaviors. Pretty, top, pretty typical. Because you can't unring a bell. We're around all the time. It affects us. It affects our conscience, which our mind and our soul combo. It affects us too. You can't, un, you can't be unaffected. You can't be truly insulated by it. So we have this conscience struggle that always will be with us because events and bad things, whether it be you know, violence in the Middle East or whether it be sexual immoral behaviors or whether it be in the local school system of teaching bizarre, twisted concepts, those things don't, don't undo them. We cannot do them. But I want to bring one point up to you, which I have always as a child thought was a bad thing, meaning this is a intended to be negative, but I don't think it actually is. So in, um, in Luke, which was read today, Luke 17, there was a story being given, or sorry, that's right, the re, uh, a scenario being given. So the days of the coming of the Son of Man, people were marrying, right? And they were giving in marriage and celebrating. Now as a child, that's why children don't run the world, because we're children. <laughs> as a child, I thought, oh, oh, Messiah is saying, no, we shouldn't be doing those things because it's the, it's the God's coming back. That we should be focusing on what well, God's coming, you know, you know, head down, read your Bible, you know, don't look up <laughs> kind of thing. I was a child. Forgive me. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Whatever. I was a child. Come on. <laughs> I grew up. Um, these tools are good things. These are positive things. So I would posture this to you. I think you have to agree with me. Just think about it. Let's pretend for a minute I'm surrounded by death. I'm surrounded by evil. Oh, like soldier, for example. Or I'm a victim of some horrible... The Holocaust, that's a great example, right? Holocaust. Surrounded by those things. How do I as a person who I'm now exposed to evil and death and awful things, how do I defeat the evil and death. Because mind you, though God said mankind's supposed to combat violence with, viol- with, with the, a measured you know, amount of violence, the, the proper amount to correct it, you notice that I'm not given that authority. I don't go, oh, well, Jimbo hit you know, Himbo. <laughs> and Himbo said, Jimbo, you can't do that. So I, go, I, I don't get to go punch Jimbo in the face. Right? So that way, right? <laughs> so, okay, that's how children work, right? Adults don't do it. I don't get authority. I don't. I can't fix death and evil. It's not within my capacity. So, but I can experience the awful tragedies resulting from death and evil because people can kill, can maim, can awful things to me. And this affects my conscience, my soul, and mind. These things are affected by the death and evil that I experience or see. The problem being that if I respond in kind with violence to the violence I see and experience, I now become violent don't I? So if I respond with death and evil, with more death and evil, what does it make me? It affects my soul, my mind, my conscience to be accepting or tolerant of death and evil. Even though it's measured, it's still the tolerance of it. On the other hand, there is a secret tool, one that God gave us. (laughs) When death and evil are surrounding you and there is a positive thing take place. I'll give you an example. All right. Let's say you have death and evil, people dying, body parts flying apart, whatever. You saw this all week long. Terrible, awful thing. Blood, guts, horror, 
screaming, all that awful stuff. Stuff happening. And then uh, later that week, uh, your best friend, Susie, I don't spell Susie, is getting married to her longtime guy she was interested in, but they finally said, hey, I actually like you, get married to longtime friend, Bob. No, I'm not doing him bow. <laughs> it was a bad guy. Get the, get the, get the bows correct. <laughs> if I'm experienced death and evil all week long, death, mayhem, blood, guts, horror, screaming, it's going to affect my conscience, my mind and soul. I'm going to want to cry over it, the loss and the misery. But yet, I obviously have a responsibility in certain instances. But then something good happens. Susie and Bob get married. And I'm at their wedding. And for some reason, this happens to most people, not everybody, but most people, who've experienced this death and evil, who don't cry because they're, they have a job to do, come to this celebration and cry. It's a weird phenomenon. Now, I'm not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist, but it's a weird phenomenon. I've seen enough times and heard about enough people writing about this exact thing. That the best way the individual who experiences death and evil to combat that purple rage the anger, the frustration, the emotions they can't cope with, they mix them with tears of joy. It's a bizarre thing, therapeutic, I don't know, but it happens. So this is the marrying and celebrating in Luke chapter 17 and also recorded in Matthew, I forgot what chapter it is. Um, that isn't a bad thing. Though there is evil around me, there are things I cannot fix or solve. Though, you know, People murdered in Gaza or outside this very uh, back and forth, right? That surrounds me. This is the culture I'm in. When something positive happens, it it is a phenomenal tool that retains a person's humanity and love. When this evil is therapeutically resolved by tears of joy at a wedding, it retains a person's humanity. Now, I said I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist, but I've talked to a whole bunch about this exact topic. I know a lot of them now because I work with a whole bunch of them. They said, this is actually your strongest tool you have. The death and evil can also be drugs and alcohol. It doesn't have to be death and evil. Anything. Anything that is traumatic and you can't cope with, blending it with a joyous occasion does really remarkable things to a human being. It retains our humanity, our love. She's pointing this out. So my sister is pointing out, said a lot of times you do similarly on a smaller scale. Let's say you had a hard week, for example, a difficult, struggling week. You may sit down and watch a movie that makes you cry. It's reaffirming a life, right? So I'm bringing this whole thing up because a very bizarre behavior... Oh, sorry, Victor, you have your hand up. I noticed that earlier. I apologize. I was ignoring it. Um, I hope I hope I don't sp- I hope I don't spoil some of your thunder. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> so, I I was watching an interview with someone who, who who survived. His mother and father survived the uh, the the uh, trauma of um, of Gaza of going into the into the territories of Israel, and um, and a lot of people outside the house were all slaughtered. But the mother inside the house with these terrorists right with her, you know, they were they were just I don't know resting for a minute with their Uzis in their hands or what and their machetes or whatever they used. Jen, she made coffee for them and she she took care of their needs. You know, 
and uh, and had them talking, and 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 then her son came in, who was a member of the IDF, and they they finally cleared the house and everything, and he he shared about exactly what happened that his his mother befriended these evil people who had killed babies and everything, and and you know the scriptures just come and say that give food to your enemy if you're hungry, and give them water if they're thirsty. And then it says, heap, it will heap coals of fire on them. Although, I don't know about what that means, because I was told differently than you think of, of violence going to come back to them from God, but it was definitely a different, different idea about heaping coals of fire on them. I think somehow it was an idiom or something about that culture back then or what, in uh, the, the days of... Uh, Isaiah and those, uh, but anyway, okay. So that's it. So, uh, and that's great. Like that, 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 those types of events to us, we're looking at it back in history. Like, like look back as it. That seems bizarre. Seems crazy. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. Why would you assist or, or befriend or help in any capacity? You wanted the whole you know, fight back type of thing. But again, as your your story eloquently points out. That person's individual's experience is that they're still human, even though it's it's almost unfathomable for many of us to cope with. Well, how could you do such thing to even even you know somehow assist in any capacity? What because your psycholo- psychological behavior exposure this this evil behavior, we have to cope with those things. And we cope with them in different ways because we have to retain being sons of God in spite of how we're treated, in spite of what we experience and see. See, Noah's, as it records, I think it's in Hebrews, discusses this topic, that Noah's faith, is it Hebrews 11? Yeah, I think it's Hebrews 11. I get wrong. I think it's Hebrews 11, like somewhere like the first few verses are made, like whatever. It's, anyway, Noah's faith discusses, that, okay, in his, his capacity, what he's dealing with here and what he experiences and the, the misery that, he, that he's going through as far as how what he has to build, he builds this ark and the methodology, which I think is fascinating how Hebrews words this, the act of making the ark, the actual action of making it was the method, was the thing that condemned mankind. Like That's a strange way of wording that. Why would that be that way? What's, what's he trying to say? Why? Well, think about it for a minute. The act of that lady you're referring to that made coffee for those men, what did it just do? Made her a human and it condemns in their minds their idea. That act is a condemnation of them on its own because this is not a logical, comprehensible thing to do. Well, that act that Noah's doing, I'm going to save as many as I can, is bizarre for a world that's full of violence. The whole goal is to be violent. It doesn't make any sense. You're just save violence. Why? That's crazy. No, you say this. We're all violent. We like being violent. Why just save us? The act of making it is not to be return violence with violence, but is to return compassion and love for the violence you received. It's bizarre. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not even saying I'm a good person to even think that I could do that. But the point is that that's the nature we're talking about here. That's the type of behavior that. God is, is, is saying, hey, look what these people did. Look what they experienced, what they went through, and how they went, got through it on the other side. Because there's something strange in Noah's behavior when he was all done. 
So all the flood happened, everybody's washed, washed away, whatever. He comes to the ark. He offers one clean animal from every species that he has. Like, wait a minute. Noah, the millions of dead things just took place. You kill more? It's not about killing more. It's about acknowledging God. You are great. And this massive death that took place, killing millions of things. I'm not sure how many there were, billions, whatever the animals and humans were all combined. Lots of things died. That's a strange behavior. Well, we'll kill some more things. It's not about killing anything. It's about celebrating. Because Noah, I'm sure, lost some people he knew. And I can't say how many, but he probably knew some people who died in that flood. Friends, family, whatever. He knew some of them. And that is a hard part thing to take, that they wouldn't listen to you. They wouldn't, wouldn't assist with thought, wait, fun of you. Who knows what they were? I don't know what they were saying. It doesn't make a difference. Or you are even pounding on the side, let me in. And you couldn't, exactly, please, please forgive me. And you couldn't open the door. Because if we, if we had closed the door, I'm sure we would have opened it, but God closed the door so we couldn't, which is probably a good thing. Um, and so this, 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 this nature that we're dealing with is this behavior of, well, I want to save as many as I can because the violence is too extreme. The behavior is, is a compassionate behavior and it makes a moment of, well, I should be out there, you know, killing the bad guy <laughs> type of behavior, which is our normal instinct to kill the bad guy. Well, it's not about killing the bad guy. It's about showing compassion and love in the moment which you would be least expected, which 16-year-olds are bad at doing, hence you don't run the world. <laughs> Six-year-olds should not run, run, run Earth. Um, anyway, yeah, that's the point. If you kill anybody, you become the bad guy. That's the drawback. You would, you would have it. So, so these behaviors are, are an interesting picture in the mind and the culture that Noah was going through and how desensitized we would become at the same time, what type of compassion and love we would show in that bizarre emotional like, place between fear, anger, and love and all combined together and still retain your, your humanity, your, your humanness, your love and compassion, which God is full of. So it's, it's, a, it's a strange place. I get that. I'm not trying to argue that the people of, of Israel or Gaza are right or wrong. The state. It's just that Humanity is is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a fascinating creation, and our ways of coping with tragedies are all unique. But I have noted that this this behavior of joy in and amongst tragedy is one of the primary tools we use to retain our human behavior, our humanity, our goodness, the what the God built us with, which is a positive thing. We're supposed to retain that. That we see injustice. And it's not, it's not, not, I'm not advocating to allow injustices. I'm advocating that our behavior and how we respond is really matters. It's, it's an important thing. Um, to return violence for violence just because it's violent is not the goal. It's not helpful because then you become the violent person. Returning hatred for hatred is not the goal. You become the hate-filled person. And feeling justified the process, which doesn't help you either. This I, I, again, maybe 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 Anne Marie can explain better than I can. But this way of coping, which I've seen enough people talk tell me about how how they coach their their people go through um, abuses, sexual abuse happens to them, by domestic violence, whatever it is, to retain humanity side is one of their primary tools they're using. Which that's. 
that seem strange, but retain the joy, the good things in life and focusing on those things, even though it amidst the tragedy helps them cope through those tragedies. So I'm looking at these people in Gaza, I'm looking at these people in Israel who fought back and forth and who have awful things happen on, on various occasions and various events and think, how, how would I respond if I was in this scenario? How would I respond if I was in Noah's scenario? How would I live my life? How would I reflect a God-like behavior of kindness in a scenario in which my emotions say, you know, fight back, vengeance? How do I respond in wisdom and not in, 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 in hatred? Uh, Victor, your hands up again. Hey, it's Christine. Great okay, lesson. Christine. Um, thank you. And I'm just thinking again about uh, how we would respond and actually, I just lost my thought totally. So I'm going to say thank you, and I'll be. It'll back. come back. I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure it will. Thank you. Good, good. Um, so see, I was going to end uh, not at that point in my little spiel. Where my notes go? Oh, there, there. Um, it, these, there's, there's lots of stuff in here that is also useful to us to remember. Um, one of the important things that I always recall, and it's not a play on words, by the way, just. So they remember, as it points out that uh, during this time of Noah's flood, as and it's not the only time, mind you, has many times, it was that God remembered Noah. He's hanging out the ark, right? God remembered Noah. We also saw which, which in, in the Exodus with the slaves, God remembered the slaves or the children of Israel. Or he had this three or four times. Oh, yeah, that's right. He remembered Lot, right? Remembers Lot. Was God forgetting them? No, God's not forgetting them. Would, he's using the same healing method. And that he, God has to essentially, I use this term loosely because we're humans. I'm using human terms. God isn't actually like this, but humans do this. So, so I'm, I'm using the comparison. When you have a whole bunch of people you're responsible for or good things you're responsible for, and the vast majority are suffering and dying and pleading and crying out to you, the normal response is, I'll go help you. That's a normal human response. Oh, you're suffering. Help, let, let me help. Let me assist. Let me come to your aid. Well, in Noah's flood, a lot of people were screaming, I'm sure, crying out, pleading. The animals were probably crying out, pleading, right? Well, if you're in God's shoes, heaven forbid you be in God's shoes, but if you're in God's shoes, what must you, let's rephrase that. Let's say these are your children and you're the parent, right? Now, that's probably easier to relate to and understand. So I'm a parent and my children are screaming and suffering saying, please, daddy, help me. And my job is to ignore them. I have to close my ears, fall asleep, pretend, pretend I can't hear you, pretend I forgot about you. I'll look, I'll look over here at the bushes and ignore them. That's the only light that I can put up to God remembered. It's because at the moment God says, now I'm going to stop ignoring, come back. Now is the time I can address. Because there's a period of time that God has to ignore the death of those who cause death, the evil behavior on the person who is evil. He has to ignore what's happening to them so that that actually fulfills and actually comes to fruition before he can say, now I'm going to respond, now I can address. So though we have to live through it and have to cope with it in our own way, and in a matter of speaking, God does cope with it in his way too. He doesn't do it through joy and celebration and, and, and tears of, 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 of trying to, to cope with these things. He does it by, I'm going to ignore you. Fingers in his ears, they're laying, la, 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 I can't hear you. He tells the prophets multiple times, don't pray for these people over here. 
I won't listen to you. I won't listen to them. They actually have to die for this. Oh, but God, no, it isn't but God saying, I'm not going to listen. I have to pretend I forgot, pretend not to listen to you, not to pay attention to, because the outcome has to be fulfilled. His rules are what? The person of death can't say, oh, because you killed many people, I'm going to forgive you now, go back and live your life. It doesn't work that way because I'd be unjust God. The person is still to pay for it in some capacity. And God is the one who decides what capacity it is. So pay for it. Evil still gets paid for, even though it's evil, and hey, he has it covered. So God has his own method, which he does multiple times, as God remembered, um, of dealing with difficult scenarios and difficult people. We have ours, he has his. It's strange in some ways, but it's fasting also. So that God's methodology is to literally ignore the suffering until the suffering is done. Then he says, now I'm going to come and fix it. Why did you fix it earlier? Because the suffering and people who are suffering needed to go through that suffering. This person, whether it's by my fictitious Susie and Bob's wedding, or the lady who made coffee for the terrorists, they had to cope with it in our own way. Our own methodology of coping is, is unique, but it still has to cope with it in some capacity. Whether it's God's method of, I'm going to ignore your suffering and let you suffer without my, my hearing you, or it's a person says, I'm going to disprove or demonstrate love to you in this moment of suffering. It's still a characteristic of a godlike behavior. Whether I ignore the suffering for a temporary time period, or whether I assist those who are suffering, or sorry, assist my, my, my perpetrators in some capacity, these are still behaviors that show. God's love. One is his love and righteousness, and one is his love and compassion. They're still God-like behaviors, which is fascinating about our God. But we have multiple instances. He obviously does Sodom and Gomorrah suffering. He obviously does, well, he does Jewish people suffering as far as God remembering of the capacity that, that, that take place. And the whole point, all said and done, as it ends in, in or not ends, but starts to the tail end of uh, in chapter nine, the, the tail end of the story, is that now, at this point, the curse is then removed. The curse from Adam is now removed. Verse, chapter 9, verse 21, the end of curse by the came. So the process of all this suffering taking place and coping with it, the end was the goal. And the end wasn't the goal of violence. The end was the goal of washing away your mind and conscience and starting over again. Now we can start clean. We can be prosperous. We can be successful. We can succeed at this and live and live well. I don't know what's going to happen with the future. I'm not in charge of anything. God is. But whatever it be, I trust that the goal is a good goal in spite of how we get there. I just pray that God doesn't ignore me and my suffering. <laughs> but either way, I've got to still retain my humanity. So that's where I'm going to end. Um, I ended at four o'clock. Good job, Daniel. Woohoo. Any comments or questions on this? Um, I think obviously go through Isaiah's discussion in Isaiah 54 and 55, which is more of a tail end after the suffering is all done, which is great because that is the end goal. Isaiah 54 and 55 discuss the topic in great detail at the end of the suffering. What is life now like? It discusses all that great things in Isaiah 54 and 55, which is our example here. The end of the suffering, which Noah's happy and thrilled, sort of. Um, Isaiah talks about that. This is what joy looks like. Isaiah 54 and 55, and continues on to the balance of most of his book. So that's, that's a reiteration of you're going through a difficult time, 
but the end of it, it'll turn out well. The story of Job, yeah. So story of Job, another example of a person. Any comments or questions? Uh, Victor, go ahead, your hands up, or whoever you're speaking for. Yeah, and, and I was just thinking, there were a couple of things when you were speaking. I thought about Joel and the restoration that uh, is promised in Joel about how the locusts had devoured, you know, and, and uh, I felt like that was a fresh washing, like God's going to restore all the things that are children and our grandchildren right. have uh, accidentally saw on computers or heard right. in lyrics. <laughs> and so right. um, I'm praying that, you know, that washing and that cleansing can be done. It's, it, it can be removed from the mind. And then secondly, right. I was thinking about uh, our response. You know, um, I have a lot of people that I'm in Zoom classes with for the last eight years in the land of Israel that are uh, Messiah-believing, you know, Judaism. And one of the things that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt is my response uh, is to pray and obey and to tend my field here. And I was talking to somebody Mm -hmm. earlier about how King David was out in the field, just a shepherd, killing lions and bears in his own field protecting his sheep, killing lions and bears. And although, you know, I feel like I've been preparing all my life or all my adult uh, Christianity, Hebrew way of life for October 7th, the time is here. And now am I going to really be able to stand and overcome in my own field and in my own uh, enemies that are approaching? So it was a really great lesson, and I just wanted to encourage us to pray and obey uh, to the best of our ability. Uh, I think that is how we bring the kingdom of God down to us. Thank you. Praise God. It, it, is, it is an interesting topic, and it's not an easy one to discuss in general. Uh, yes, the next, next person. Richard's got his hand up. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, um, God, for lack of a better phrase, winks at ignorance, but he also has <laughs> to... He also always wants to give opportunity for repentance. So like with Noah and the flood, he let that go on for a long time, giving those people an opportunity to repent, especially during the time period that Noah was building that ark. Let's say he was building it for 120 years or something like that. That's plenty of time for some of those folks to have repented and maybe come to Noah. Maybe if in their repentance, God could have shown them what was really going on and what was going to happen and brought them to Noah. And maybe more people could have been saved if they had repented. So he mm-hmm. delayed for 120 years yep. waiting for repentance and it Very didn't patient. happen. And the thing that with something right. to some degree, the Exodus too, the Egyptians, they had opportunity to repent of their genocide against the Jews. They didn't do it. Yep. And right. so even in our time period, when we're witnessing some of this evil in some of these countries and we were wondering why is God is allowing this to go on? He's waiting for repentance, but we don't know what his timetable is, but he's only going to wait for so long. Just like in our country, let all the abortion that's been going on here. He's been waiting for repentance. How long is he going to wait before he can't wait anymore and has to do something about it? I have no idea, but have mercy. Yeah. There's uh, we bring that up, but there's people who have actually, you are abortion, right? People who've had abortions, well, how do we treat them? Well, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways you can treat them, right? How do you treat them with, with, with the compassion that God has and the patience he has versus what I've got? I don't have much. Uh, yes, Victor. Or whoever you're 
hands up for. <laughs> Larry, go ahead, Larry. Uh, another consideration that I've heard that maybe since the angels had co-mingled with, with men, with women, that they, they had corrupted the, blood, the bloodline uh, different from what God created, and the, if the, he needed a pure stock to have, to have uh, Yeshua come from to be able to, to pay for our sins. So uh, that's what I heard is one of the reasons why he had to get rid of all those people at that time. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I, I can't say that's right or wrong. I do realize, I've heard that, I've heard that too, uh, multiple times. Uh, one uh, rabbi's comment was uh, the spelling of the word door, which is generation. It has a vav in it, um, and which implies it may not say be a biological, might be a cultural, like a time period. I suppose like, for example, my generation, my parents' generation, there's a biological connection, but there's also a time slot connection as far as the era of time which my parents lived, my grandparents, my grandparents lived. There's two different types of generation concepts there. And in the Hebrew, putting the extra vav sometimes, not always, can imply a time slot, meaning amongst his contemporaries, as opposed to a biological one. And to be honest, it's a flip of a coin, of which when you think it actually is. So I can't say. But it could be a biological one. That's possible. I can't say it is or isn't. I don't know. Uh, yes, next person. Me again. Hi. I was also... Oh, go ahead. I was also thinking, you know, this is kind of the period where we start entering into the whole Lot story, right? And so yes. I think about the spiritual blindness. Um, you know, I, I can't say, and you, you know, you really can't call it. It's not like I do any kind of online calling things, but I just keep listening periodically, not very often. Um, but one of the things that keeps jumping up to me is that you know, it doesn't matter. You can't show somebody a picture of, um, or the blindness right now almost feels like they've never read a book. They've never seen any kind of, it's illogical. It's just so, the, the violence and the permeation and the holding on of fixed strongholds in the mind. It doesn't matter if you show them videos, if you're kind to them, if you bring them along slowly. It is just dark, and I think of just the pain and the misery of being locked in a prison and never being able to see outside of that. And like Tammy said, have mercy. Mm -hmm. So I run across that 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 dark place uh, more recently now because of my job. I run across a lot of people who are struggling mentally and emotionally, as well as a number of homeless individuals too. Or is locked, or seem to be locked in a very dark place in their minds and their spirit. Um, and it is a hard thing to get through. And I pray that Sam and, and, and Sean's work that they're doing is successful in their area. Uh, there's people around here that do similar, similar type of work. That darkness is thick. It's thick. It's, it, it is, it is, it's, it's as if the mind doesn't want to think outside of what's going on or look objectively. I can't explain why. I don't know anything about it. It's. It, it, I would argue it's a spiritual issue, but maybe it isn't. Maybe there's something else going on too. But it's a hard thing from somebody on the on the positive side of things. <laughs> Do somebody who's on a dark negative side of stuff. 
it's 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 difficult to get through that thick darkness and the patience scott has to do that is just dumbfounding to me it's 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 beyond my comprehension level because i'm not that smart i'm over time good all good okay and lee and lee Lee. uh hello daniel it's alex um i've been thinking about that word violence that you mentioned and what what all it means or or you kind of stop short of a overly defined thing because it is kind of open-ended well violence is kind of like violating and uh it maybe it's violating uh dialogue or what christine was indicating it it's violence is just kind of cancels things out um you know i'll tell you i uh, yesterday i got i i was a little wound up and heading uh, getting ready to head out of calistoga and yeah i stopped at the arco station if you've ever been there that's kind of a crossroad for the finest people from Santa Rosa, crisscrossing with the finest people from Lake County. And some kid without a shirt, bumming money, and there's a guy sleeping in the weeds. Man, it just, yeah. it just, it just violates sanctity, man. There's something just wrong with yeah. it. And uh, really, yeah. <laughs> really helped me an already wound up day get even more wound up. See, it just, it just so, <laughs> just, you need it, right? just so wrong. <laughs> Yeah, the, the 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 Hebrew term Hamas is 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 entitled or implied a a physical harm uh, of extreme of of an extreme nature, um, and it can include taking or hurting. Okay, so it's it's broad enough to include taking things that belong to someone else, but also to include uh, 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 injury of some form. But I do get the idea that well. There's also societal or cultural norms that are violated in some capacities too, as far as what's considered acceptable behavior versus not. And one could argue that could be inclusive, but the term Hamas, Hebrew word Hamas, is is supposed to mean somebody who causes physical harm or takes uh, uh, in, in 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 a violent or a an aggressive manner. That's the type of uh, type of type of word that word is intended to mean. But I do get your point. The culture looks strange when it doesn't like this. Doesn't seem right when you're right across the scenario. That this this doesn't look right. Doesn't feel right in in a given scenario. You may be you may interact with. I do understand that. Uh, we have we have what one or two more people. I forgot who it was. Who else? Who's next? Yeah, we're end it. So to, this uh, is uh, this might be on the brighter side. I caught a program. It was taken from kids around the world, just kids who went through horrible things. Just like in Hamas, a situation or greater, and the psych. This was all being filmed, not on. And they asked them, "Do you advance against these people that did your parents or your your brothers and sisters?" Forty nine out of the fifty kids said, "No, I want to go on my life. I want to forget about it." And do you? And they said, "Mason, you want to forgive them?" And they said, yes, I just want to go on with my life. And I was, hey, I'm ashamed of it, but I was shocked that 49 kids that went to t- imaginable torture and some died, they they, want, they for, forgave every one of them except one person, their uh, assailant. And uh, that's all there is to say, but they, well, whatever, how God built kids, they could forgive them. Yeah. There's an example uh, uh, try, try out here along those lines. It's a human, human being. You do that for yourself. In many ways, that, that's that's which is true. You, we do it for ourselves. It's interesting. 
otherwise you live in the space of misery and death and evil uh, uh daniel next person, uh, yeah go ahead um daniel my thought is is uh, we have a good good father we have a good good god he gives sight to the blind and he gives hearing to the deaf and some he chooses not to give sight and chooses not to give hearing for their protection because had he revealed to them perhaps they would not understand and would not come forward to accept him as lord and savior so we have to believe that there is a resurrection and that that they will be saved for another time so although it looks dark and it looks bleak god has a plan amen the end turns out well yes 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 so uh be encouraged that god is in charge god is on his throne and god hears our our prayers he he has our tears in a bottle i believe his word i believe in him and i believe him when he said these things so we must we must uh put our faith and trust in the lord god almighty he said i wish that none would suffer that all would come to the glory of god well obviously there will be some but most he will be they will be saved not maybe not this time not at this right. time but there is a resurrection and that's what we must always we must be we must think like a river a river always runs forward it does not run backwards generally speaking <laughs> I mean, there have been earthquakes there have been movements yeah, where strange things i get it yeah in principle turned. but in principle it, we must always look forward and god that's what god wants us to do is to always to look forward to the kingdom of god and his righteousness and his plan we don't mm -hmm. understand i mean our plans are not his plans nope. so god's in charge praise the lord amen he is the outcome turns out well yes uh, uh one or two more people we gotta okay. call it quits i'm over time I okay um i just wanted to say too i mean there's a grave darkness going over um one of the rabbis was saying that in the united states um you know the the um the man that swept his house and it was clean and he when he um christ was talking about the man and then then he brought seven demons worse than the first state you know the united states was a christian nation and we um uninvited god our protector of the united states took him out of the churches i mean took him out of the school and really as chris cricket always says these canned sermons they're not speaking truth you know to the people and so they're they're a slow to sleep and you know and there's a lot of video games out Pro there programming programming Right, they're programming. programming. The it's programming. It's yeah. programming. Yeah. yeah, tell a vision. So, you know, and then what um, an, another comment was is that the Jewish people and Christians train their kids to not hate. Uh, we don't, you know, like Hamas, and they t teach that us Jews are the enemy. And so the difference between that is that um, we're commanded to love and to give tzedakahs and good deeds and to do for others. It is in our nature. And, you know, um, we just pray for the, the children that are being brought up in the darkness that something happens to those kids that change. You know, but it is sad with these video games that are programming these children. And let's see. And also, God gives us an opportunity ourselves to come out of this. You know what I mean? And he can only go, like she said, for so long. You know, but we know that he knocks 
And, you know, unfortunately, even some tragedies in our own lives don't bring us to him. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.